Welcome back for another conversation here at Free to Love, where our hope is that you say yes to the healing journey, transforming your pain into peace. If you've been enjoying these conversations, I just want to take a moment and ask you, would you take a second and rate and review our podcast on whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening? All that does is help raise visibility, help other people find this healing resource that we've made, poured our souls into, and are given away for free because we just long to see people encounter God and his desire to heal. It's one simple way that you can do it. Also, if you have any feedback uh, or questions, then feel free to please contact us. And you can do that through our social media and Instagram. Uh, you can also do that at ftl at northcoastcalvary.org or probably even better, just ring up Jen at the, uh, the counseling center at the church. So this week's conversation, we continue the one on trauma, and this is where we take a hopeful turn. We focus this week on exploring the ways that damaged trust distorts our view of God's self and others. We ask the question of, where is God in the midst of trauma? Then we shift to a couple of techniques and resources that you can use to build trauma resilience and to help navigate and heal from any trauma that you may have experienced. We work on identifying lies and replacing them with truth, reforming our identity as a positive one grounded in how God sees us and those trusted and loved ones around us that can reaffirm that. We explore building safe environments and positive purposeful boundary setting that supports our vulnerability and our healing. So friends, I hope that this week's conversation not just informs, but empowers you to continue to take whatever your next step is in the healing journey. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Friends, welcome back. We are continuing our special conversation with Jennifer All, exploring the topic of trauma. And the first part of this interview, this conversation, this exploration that uh, we are having, we focused a lot on uh, trying to define trauma, trying to give uh, people some language and helping us understand the impacts that it can have in our lives, in our bodies, in our relationships. Um, some of what we're seeing in the the rise of the visibility of trauma and the language of trauma in our culture and the church and maybe some helpful paths uh through navigating that. And this episode, so last episode was uh, was maybe a little bit heavy and a little bit dark. We got into some of Jen's story. And, um, and this time, though, we are going to be turning towards hope. So uh, hopefully <laughs> you came back for episode two because we saved most of the hope uh, for this one. And I'm looking forward to it. But before we jump into some of, some of the material, um, kind of as a different way to recap, I wanted to share this poem and have this center us. So just invite you to take a second and to, um, yeah, to quiet your mind and your heart. This, this poem is by, uh, is a man named John O'Donohue. He was a brilliant Irish poet and thinker and writer. And, and his last work that he wrote before he passed away was called to bless the space between us. And it's a collections of blessings for healing and empowerment and he wrote one about trauma, so I'm going to share it with you right now. It's called, For Someone Awakening to the Trauma of His or Her Past. 
For everything under the sun, there is a time. This is the season of your awkward harvesting, when pain takes you where you would rather not go. Through the white curtain of yesterdays to a place you had forgotten you knew from the inside out, and a time when that bitter tree was planted, that has grown always invisibly beside you, and whose branches your awakened hands now long to disentangle from your heart. You are coming to see how your looking often darkened when you should have felt safe enough to fall toward love. How deep down your eyes were always owned by something that faced them through a dark fester of thorns, converting whoever came into a further figure of the wrong. You could only see what touched you as already torn. Now the act of seeing begins your work of mourning, and your memory is ready to show you everything, having waited all these years for you to return and know. Only you know where the casket of pain is interred. You will have to scrape through all the layers of covering, and according to your readiness, everything will open. May you be blessed with a wise and compassionate guide who can accompany you through the fear and grief until your heart has wept its way to your true self. As your tears fall over that wounded place, may they wash away your hurt and free your heart. May your forgiveness still the hunger of the wound, so that, for the first time, you can walk away from that place, reunited with your banished heart, now healed and freed, and feel the clear, free air bless your new face. That was... Um, for someone awakening to the trauma of his or her past, poem and a blessing by John O'Donohue, and uh, that's kind of a I loved finding that because it, it so poetically reviews a lot of what we covered last episode, right? Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love the journey that it takes you on because mm-hmm. um, that's what it can feel like when you. I mean, if you just listened to our last the part one of this, mm-hmm. it might be awakening in you, the realization that some of the things that you might be facing or dealing with are actually rooted in something extremely painful mm-hmm. that you were hoping enough time just made it go away. Um, and that image of a tree that has grown alongside you, mm-hmm. a tree of lies and woundedness that has now entangled your heart and mm-hmm. What we mentioned last time was how it, it interweaves with our identity, yeah. um, creating um, an identity formation where we've formed our identity around something that um, contains a lot of false narratives or mm-hmm. um, rationalization for pain that's simply not helpful. It's uh, and just the imagery of. Um, how painful that can be to awaken to that and then to have the courage to go on the journey to, Mm -hmm. to heal. Yeah. It takes an incredible amount of journey. I mean, incredible amount of um, courage to embark on the journey of healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if people are listening to this, we're hoping that it's because they've said yes to the healing journey. So let's move into uh, this episode where having established kind of what trauma is and its impact. So what do we do? Where, I think a question people of faith, and actually even people who don't have faith, ask in the face of evil, 
in the face of deep pain and trauma is where, where is God? Where is Jesus in all of this? Yeah. So we're diving right in. So if, yeah, if you're just turning this one on, we're just going to go right into it. So uh, when we've experienced deep levels of pain or trauma, um, one aspect of that is this idea that trust has been broken and trust has been broken with others, especially if it was an abuse type situation or Mm -hmm. an injustice type situation interpersonally. Um, There's trust broken with others. There could be trust with the world around us. I'm not really safe in this world. Um, Trust with ourselves broken. Like I, I mentioned that happened with myself. I was, I was like, well, I can't, my judgment is clearly bad. If I was in a situation where this could occur, then mm-hmm. I can't trust myself. Right, right. Um, and so there's all this repair work to restore trust. Um, but one area that trust can be um, shaken is with God. When bad things happen, um, where is God in all this? Can I trust him? Mm-hmm. And we're told that he is good and he is kind. And yet this terrible, terrible thing has happened. So where is God in the midst of trauma? Um, I, I definitely had to go on this journey for myself. Um, going through the trauma I went through hurt my relationship with the Lord because I, I had known him, loved him, still believed in him. And yet I thought, where were you? Mm -hmm. How could this have happened? Do you care? Um, And I had, it helped me to picture him and his posture towards me. And that's one way I was able to discern lies from truth because at first I, when I really required myself to picture where is Jesus um, in my life right now, not even in the trauma situation, but in my life right now. And I felt, I was like, well, if I had to draw him or paint the picture, he would be standing there with his back towards me. Mm. And I thought, does Jesus ever, is he really taking that posture with me? Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I had that foundation that I did have with the Lord was not for nothing. Um, and I was able to say, no, I know that Jesus wouldn't be standing there not facing me, but I can't, I, I, it took a while for me to really be able to imagine him turning and facing me mm-hmm. and moving closer. And that whole, that was a whole process of journey work to really, um, recover and rebuild trust with the Lord through all this. So where is Jesus in trauma? I think it's important to know that he is with us. He is with us. Mm. He is present. He's not absent. He has not abandoned us. He is not distracted in somewhere else, handling something else. Mm. He never left us in it. He was there when it happened and he is with us right now as we are experiencing the lingering effects of it. He is with us in this moment and he will be with us as we heal. Sometimes that can be a difficult thought Mm. to think, oh, he was there when it happened. Well, Mm. why the heck didn't he do anything? Yeah. 
So that's the other part of this. If he was a good God, if he was an all-powerful God, if he was a loving God, surely he would have intervened. Surely. Right? Yeah. Um, and yet we have a whole Bible full of illustrations and firsthand accounts of terrible things happening to really good and wonderful people where he did not intervene mm-hmm. and he did not act as a puppet master um, to just step in and uh, switch things around as much as we would like to think that he would have. Cause sometimes he does and there are miracles and we do see those beautiful moments where his hand is clearly present and mm. stopped a tragedy. But um, we have to remember those little glimmers of, of his kingdom breaking through those miracle moments. They don't negate. Um, they don't mean that when he doesn't do that, that his love is now being removed from us. Right. Right. Which is really hard. So here's the truth is yes, he was there when it happened. That does not mean that he was complicit to what happened. Mm -hmm. He did not agree with what was happening. He was not a fan of it. He was not okay with it. We know very clearly that he is a God of justice and he's not okay with abuse. He's not okay with oppression He's not okay with anyone dishonoring the dignity of someone else. And he fought for you then. When those moments were happening, he was fighting for you as he is fighting for each of one of us now. Mm. Um, I had to uh, really, really sit with that piece. Mm. Um, and I grew up not giving a lot of stock to the idea that God is a God of justice because that was kind of referred to as the scary God. Mm-hmm. God is a God of justice. You're going to pay for your sins, right? Yeah. Until you go through something terribly tragic and unjust and unfair and horrible, then suddenly you start to listen to those passages a little differently and you go, wait a second, this is actually good news mm. that God is a God of justice and that sins will all be accounted for and people will be, they will have to answer for these things. Mm-hmm. And I may not see justice while I am alive on earth right now, but God will see justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, leaning into that was incredibly healing for me personally. I actually was in the middle of um, <laughs> a book study on the book of Job when I, when God just walked me through oh, this. Wow. <laughs> the book that nobody wants to go to was actually incredibly powerful totally, yeah. for healing from talk, trauma for me. Talk about a story of trauma, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that the book of Job is where we find that beautiful passage that he declares, I know that my Redeemer lives. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I will see him on this earth. Yeah. He will advocate for me. I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, Job 19.25. So that idea that, um, that God does, he takes the broken and he transforms it into something not only restored, but something better, something stronger, more beautiful and more powerful than before, because that's his nature. He does not have these bad things happen to us um, as if it's some sort of planned, well, I'm going to have her go through this so that I can make her strong. No, no, no. He never does that. Um, he's never going to, um, condone 
abuse and trauma, but he will turn it around. Mm. He will turn it around and make it a useful tool in his hand that um, brings redemption and brings more beauty mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. You know, I've, one thing that's always stuck with me, I'm not sure where I heard this, but you know, when asking that question, well, where was God in the midst of my pain, my wounding, my suffering? Um, yes. The, our fear is that he is, he's either somewhere far off, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, or that he's, he's the one inflicting the pain yeah. when the truth as you know, as seen, and this takes faith. I don't want to. I don't want to downplay that. We we've named that one of the things that trauma distorts. It's our perception of ourself, you know, our perception of the world, and and our perception of God, you know. Uh, and so it may take some time for you to rehabilitate and to have your perception of God uh, healed. Um, but trusting that we can accept that God's fundamental nature is good, that he is present, he is active, he is powerful, he is for our healing good. Um, That allows us to begin to uh, view him differently and where he perhaps might have been in that. So one thing that's always really stuck out to me is uh, he was not far off. He was not inflicting it. Um, He may have seemed absent because that's, he was actually, he was right there with you receiving the same wounding. Mm. Um, That's what our savior does. You know, I think of the, the passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, where, you know, uh, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we walk with a wounded God, mm-hmm. right? Who has said that the depth of my love um, will be made most manifest by my presence in the midst of your pain and that I will suffer with you and on your behalf, so you are never alone, um, for I'm here with you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he knows what it's, he's, he was stripped of dignity. Mm-hmm. He was oppressed. He was beaten, abused. He was, um, terribly tortured and put to death unjustly, unfairly, but I mean, all the things he most certainly, um, stands with us, sits with us, kneels with us, weeps with us in our pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I, I like that you connected it there, Joseph. That's mm-hmm. helpful. So if we can trust that God is present with us in our pain and that his fundamental desire for pain is to transform it, is to turn what was meant for evil into actually something good, um, where the wound becomes the gift. Mm. We may never get to a place where we're grateful for the, mm-hmm. the pain or the suffering or the trauma that you have endured, but there with Christ, with God, there is hope yeah. that it can be redeemed. He gives the pain purpose. Mm, yeah. He gives the pain purpose and it can be incredibly powerful and very freeing. Um, not just freeing for us personally, but it can set other people free too. Yeah. That's the extraordinary nature of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's, that's part of what builds resilience in all of us is real is, is meaning making mm-hmm. to realize um, how he can use this, how, how, how does this not make me um, like, how is he turning this around for me? 
How is this giving me a different purpose? Maybe I'm going to create a new legacy for my children Mm -hmm. or those around me. How is he turning this pain into purpose? Um, That resiliency that comes from that is incredibly powerful. And it's a reminder that the end of the story is in his hands. The enemy doesn't get to determine the end of our story. And that's not just for the person that has received, that it's been um, on the receiving end of some of the trauma, to know that um, God is, we're writing a story together, a redemptive one. But there's also, if if you've played a part in traumatizing someone else, mm. I think you too need to know that that's not the rest of your story. Yeah. You are not stuck there either, haunted by this thing that you participated in, haunted by this thing that you did. Um, but God is also with you in that. And it's also his desire to set you free, to heal, to redeem, to forgive, to um, create a new story there too, that mm-hmm. he writes the end of that story as well. Um, and so if, if that's you, all of this talk about trauma is... Um, don't let it send you down a shame spiral yeah, of further absolutely. isolation. Instead, I hope you find the courage to step into the light, allow Jesus to meet you there, walk in, come into that that moment of repentance and reflection, um, because that is where healing can be found mm-hmm. and new life can be written. I mean, remember, Paul was a murderer, right? Yeah. Like uh, we have incredible stories of people who participated in, I mean, that look at Paul's story. Mm-hmm. The man definitely traumatized other people. He participated in horrific things. Moses did too, right? Like mm-hmm. time and time again. And yet God said, that's not who you are. That's not the end of your story. I have more for you. Yeah, man. That's such a challenging word for our present culture, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it feels when we, when we hear of some of the traumas that are inflicted on people, um, it stirs up anger, yeah. right? And we want there to be justice. And oftentimes we want to take justice into our own hands. And um, and oftentimes, you know, the small self in us wants to, to view justice as inflicting the same sort of pain onto the, the traumatizer as was inflicted on the, the traumatized. Yeah. And man, scripture challenges that. Yes. And it's, that's a hard road to walk. Yes. You know? I, but if yeah. you follow that through, that's why we have cycles of abuse. Yeah. Where the abused becomes the abuser. Part of that, I was powerless. Now I'm going to take back power mm-hmm. in an unhealthy, entitled way. Um, and then we get this cycle. Um, you deserve punishment because of what you did. So now I'm going to abuse you as a form of punishment, but I'm going to call it my form of justice. Mm. And all we've done is perpetuated the cycle and, and God interrupts that cycle. Mm. That's what the cross does. He says, I take it all. You don't have to keep each other locked up in this chain reaction of Mm -hmm. your so-called justice. I have a higher, more definitive profound justice. Yeah. That makes me think of, I've heard a number of different people say it, you know, Jeff has used a line like this. I think I've heard Richard Rohr say it, but you know, um, if the pain isn't transformed, it will be transmitted. Right. And, uh, 
uh, hurt people, hurt people. There's all sorts of different, you know, aphorisms that describe this, this process that you're talking about. But, um, I love how you, the picture of the cross there, God interrupts the age old cycle of passing on pain by, by doing what? By absorbing it into himself Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, it's got to go someplace. I'll take it. Yeah. And instead I'm giving you forgiveness yeah. I'm giving you um, a new purpose. I'm giving you new life. I am setting you free. You and the, per- the pe- I can't even say the word, the perpetrator, yeah. um, the abuser. I am changing everything here. I'm turning it all on its head here. So it's profound. Mm, it is indeed. Well, let's, hey, we've, so we trust that God is with us. Um, there's a path to to receiving that truth and being able to put your faith in in him as a god of healing and a god of justice um not a god of punishment or a god of abuse so let's let's take it from kind of that's like the theological or faith space into a little bit more of the practical um some of the pathways of healing that you have begun to identify name that you've walked yourself on these paths and you've walked with people on these paths as they have said yes to the healing journey. So could you describe some of those for us? Sure. So these are going to be in no, in no particular order. It is like tips, practical things that you can start doing um, or exploring so that you are on the journey of healing Mm -hmm. to maybe listening to all this has stirred up things in you. And you're like, man, I do want to, I don't want to be stuck here any longer. I'm ready. Here are some things that might be helpful. Um, one is, uh, beginning to understand yourself. It's to do some inner work and, you know, you can find a, a good counselor friend or a mentor to help with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to, uh, some of this kind might be intimidating to do by yourself, but yeah. grab a journal, grab a, a, a good trusted mentor. Um, you're going to do some inner work where you start to d- recognize going through what I've been through, what have I internalized about myself? What is, how do I understand my identity and my world around me? What have I internalized about other people, about God, about the world? What you're just, what you're doing there is you're starting to distinguish the lies that you've internalized from the truth. Mm. Cause you've probably got a mixture of both, probably got some good things in there and mixed up with some very funky things that need to be uprooted, toxic things. Um, Some of the things that we mentioned last time would be, um, there must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I am eternally flawed. Um, I'm worthless. Um, Or I'm on my own. Everyone will leave. People can't be trusted. No one is safe. Um, I'm not safe in this world. I can't trust anyone. Must do everything myself. Um, those would be some kinds, some of those things that you, we may have internalized along the way. Um, we're going to want to do the inner work of, of figuring out how have we, um, how has what I've been through, how is it creeping up in my current present life? What, um, what, how is it bubbling up to the surface? How am I behaving currently in light of some of the things I've internalized about myself or about others? Is this coming up in any coping that we're doing? Is this coming up in any um, 
preventative measures that we've built into our life, safety, self-protection modes that we've built up in our life? Are we pushing people away? Are we breaking up with people before they get a chance to break up with us because Mm -hmm. we are convinced that we are no good and worthless and so everyone will leave us eventually, so I will just preemptively push them away? You know, for example. Um, Different things like that. How is this manifesting in my current life, in my current relationships? Um, that's part of the inner work of understanding the self, what's going on internally. And you're going to want to do the hard work of uprooting those lies and reforming your identity with God's truth. Yeah. Okay. That's that pain and peace cycle. If you're familiar with it from the skills material. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you aren't a part of, uh, you, you don't know how to begin that work. Um, the church is a great resource here for helping you to begin to understand yourself. We have, you know, we have a counseling center here where you get, you can get three free sessions, you know, to help you begin kind of identifying. Um, and then of course the restoration therapy and the skills course is designed to begin to walk you through some of this, uh, this inner journey. So, um, if you're in the skills courses, you're like, yeah, yeah, we know Joseph, but (laughs) if somebody shared this with you, then, um, just know that there's, there's a lot of resources. Totally. Cause Identifying a lie is powerful mm-hmm. to realize, oh my gosh, deep down, I think I'm worthless. That's incredibly powerful. And it usually brings about tears when you really identify mm-hmm. what's going on in there. But you don't want to, that's not the end. You want to uproot it, confront it and replace it. So if that's not true, what is true about me? Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And it doesn't matter how people have treated me in the past. Yes. This is what is true. Yes. My, God has determined my identity, whether others recognized it and I was treated like that or not. Mm-hmm. I have dignity. Yes. I am worthy. He decided so when he gave me life. Mm-hmm. Like there is truth there that God has determined and spoken over us that even if we have experienced things in life that seem to contradict that, we get to decide, no, those things don't have the power to determine my identity here's what my identity really is. And we get to reform that um, and and rebuild, um, or maybe for the first time, build our identity on what is real and true. Mm-hmm. So that's part of that uh, inner work that we can start doing. That's one pathway to healing. It's pretty Understanding crucial. self, inner work, identifying yes. lies, replacing with truth, beginning the yes. process of reforming a positive identity. Yes. Based on God's truth about us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another pathway to healing that is helpful um, is to build a to to ex, to build a safe environment around yourself. Mm. Now, this does not mean you get to build a hideaway mm. or an isolation chamber or just surround yourself with safety blankets. That's not what I mean by a safe environment. Mm. I mean you can start to recognize what in your life is um, part of an unhealthy pattern. What in your life are coping mechanisms that you've built up and set up around yourself? Maybe there's friendships in your life that allow you to be your worst self because that's what's comfortable because it, it allows for you to mm-hmm. exist in coping in an escape mode constantly. Those are not safe environments for you to do the inner work for you to um, explore some of these things. I am talking about a safe environment where you can learn to be vulnerable so that you can do this process work mm. where, so you are building healthy friendships, a community that actually cares for you and doesn't manipulate you, 
um, a community where there's a balance of give and take friendships, where there's a balance of give and take, it's not lopsided, um, friendships that are open and honest, uh, with one another, they're fair and just people, um, not manipulative people, not people that use you. Um, those would be examples of healthier friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be in an environment that allows you to start rebuilding trust in people in general. Okay. Um, so environments where people are true to their word and you be true to your word too. Yeah. Just because you may have been lied to your whole life uh, doesn't give you an excuse to lie to others. Yeah. Um, you want to start to, to be the healthier, exhibit the healthier behaviors and find and surround yourself with people who are also living those healthier behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, environments where people are honoring one another and you're, whenever you are vulnerable, it's held and it's honored. You're not shamed for being vulnerable. Right. Or manipulated. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're vulnerable and you share part of your pain, they're not going to, they're not going to take that and they're going to, you know, go gossip about you behind your back or even worse, use that to attack you later. Exactly. We'll honor your pain and your story and your vulnerability by being respectful, safe, holding that space for you. Yeah. So we're not talking about cancel culture here. Okay. We're not talking about, um, that I'm, I'm talking about start looking for people in your life who you go, they, I see a lot of Christ-like qualities in them. They honor those around them, not just me, but everyone I see that they interact with, they are honoring to them. Um, There is a sense of safety there. Now, nobody is perfect. So you're not looking for perfect people. You're looking for people that will help you start to rebuild trust Mm -hmm. with others. So you're, that's, you're building a safe environment um, so that you can, relax enough, let your guard down enough so you can be vulnerable enough to let this stuff come up and so you can work with it. Yeah. That would be another way. Okay. That's another tip. Build a healthy, a safe environment. Okay. You know, I I love, one of the things I love about that, it's a positive frame. So a lot of times, whether, I mean, with a lot of the negative thoughts or behaviors that we all wrestle with, you know, the church historically has loved to moralize that, right? And has unfortunately focused a lot on behavior management, right? Mm. And um, and said, you know, don't do this, yeah. right? And so I love how you framed all of that with a positively, build a safe <laughs> environment. You're going to, you are, the truth is, right? Even if you've been wounded and you have, you have trust issues, you have deep trauma, you are empowered to begin taking steps to build a safe environment to build safety into your life mm-hmm. so that you can begin to experience the depth of life and joy that is available to you. That is actually, we believe as, as Christians is your God given right in lots of ways. Like it's your destiny. It's your calling to experience a life of meaning that's filled with sure pain and hardship. Mm-hmm. We're in a broken world, but also of deep communion with, with yourself, the fullness of yourself with other people. And of course with God. Yeah. And it sounds it sounds easier than it is because yeah. if you um, feel like uh, you got to do everything yourself, um, even this list of tips, some performer out there right now is like, okay, I'm going to white knuckle. I'm going to get rid of this person. Yeah. They're toxic and I'm going to grab this person. Yeah, totally. It, this isn't, a, like you said, a behavior modification thing. Um, a new way to cope is just to do everything right. Uh-huh. Um, 
we're, we're talking about, um, discernment. You are capable. God helps us to look at people and go, um, this person is, there's a grace about this person. I'm going to lean into this. This is a person I want to start fostering a friendship with. Mm -hmm. I'll invite them to coffee. And in our culture, I know that right now, you know, people are wanting to do everything online, but just go make a friend, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So another pathway to healing um, is to begin the journey of forgiveness. Mm. Forgiveness is a journey. Okay. It is a process. It is, it takes time. It is not a light switch. Okay. There's not one moment when you're in church and you heard a really great message and there's a worship song playing. You're like, okay, I forgive them. And it's done. Okay. Sometimes moments like that can, can advance us rapidly advance us. They can accelerate Mm -hmm. the forgiveness Mm -hmm. process. So those moments are very powerful. So we've had those moments. I'm not negating that at all. Those are powerful moments, but know that there is work that led up to that moment and there is heart work and forgiveness work that continues on after it. The, the process of forgiveness is multifaceted. It is more than just let go. Yeah. Um, that's actually not very helpful, um, sometimes to think that. And so, um, we're not going to go into all of the avenues of forgiveness right now. Mm -hmm. That'll be another session for another day, but um, suffice it to say, begin the work of forgiveness because forgiveness involves us processing the injustice that yeah. we have experienced. That is part of the work of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It is exploring the mercy and compassion. It is exploring how what I've been through has changed me and what is God doing with that and how can I learn and grow from it? All of that is part of the forgiveness process. Mm-hmm. And when I say that sometimes when I advise that somebody needs to begin some of the forgiveness work, there's sometimes an immediate wall goes up because Mm -hmm. they go, they're the ones that wronged me until they do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Forgiveness. They don't want to extend forgiveness because holding a grudge or being angry feels like gives them a sense of power. Yeah. Um, forgiveness is for each one of us, Mm -hmm. um, to forgive someone who has hurt us is, it's a blessing and a gift to the, to the, the abuser. Um, but it is primarily for us, the person that experienced the pain. Yeah. You know, as you're describing this and the, the journey that it is, an image started kind of coming to my mind, which is of. Um, I don't know, maybe it was my hand or maybe it was a, 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 like a kid's hand who's gripping a racquetball, you know, a blue racquetball, <laughs> uh, really tight, you know, and the process of forgiveness is, is slowly, it's like you said, it's not this, this instantaneous thing that happens. It's magic that happens, but it's like slowly peeling back mm-hmm. the fingers. Right. And, and eventually letting, letting the ball go, letting it be taken from us. And as I was sitting with that image and listening to you talk, um, you know, another a phrase came to mind where God is so eager to give us gifts, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes the biggest obstacle to us receiving um, the life abundant that he longs to give us is that we 
understandably, but we're clinging to our pain. We're clinging to bitterness. We're clinging to resentment. We're clinging to unforgiveness. And we say, well, something was taken from me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Holding this, this hatred, mm-hmm. uh, this righteous anger mm-hmm. towards this person is, uh, it's my right. Mm-hmm. And nobody tells me what to do with this pain. And I get, man, I get that. That like, that makes a profound amount of sense. Mm-hmm. And I also hear Jeff in my head saying, yeah, and how's that working for you? Yeah. Like, is it resulting in you being able to, as you said, process, integrate, begin to let go, move on, begin to develop the muscles that are necessary for us to be able to develop loving, healthy, boundaried relationships with other Mm -hmm. people and experience life again. Yeah. Because when you're in that posture that you're describing there, where you are are holding on to this righteous anger or righteous, uh, that you are right, that was wrong. What happened to you was wrong. Mm -hmm. And your sentiment about that is correct. And so there's, you're drawing power from that. You're drawing power. um, You're, that's what you're standing on to get you through. And what happens is um, it's an exhausting place to live. Mm-hmm. It's an exhausting place to, to draw your strength from and to build relationships out of, because you got to stay angry. You got to stay fired up. And um, there is a beautiful thing that happens when you allow God to be the one who is in charge of getting justice Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be the one that is in charge of getting the justice. You get to trust that he actually will, which allows you to say, yeah, I'm in total agreement that that was wrong. And one day there'll be held account Mm -hmm. that righteous anger. I, I have it. Mm -hmm. I, that was not a good thing. Um, And yet I don't have to draw all my strength from it. I get to release Mm -hmm. that and trust God with that and so then I get to uh, experience the relax, like, I mean, even just describing the difference, um, I can feel my body relax. It goes from posture of tense, like mm-hmm. fired up to actually, I can know that this is true. Yeah, I can know that this is true and that God's going to handle that. And it allows me to l- open up my view that was so... Um, Shuttered, blinded. Yeah. Uh, what is it when you're mono, um, myopic, myopic, a myopic view, um, forgiveness actually allows us to step out of a myopic view mm-hmm. and experience a deeper sense of the world around us in a beautiful way. So mm. begin the road to forgiveness, the journey of forgiveness. That's definitely, um, part of the healing process. And another tip I have is to, um, to allow Jesus to speak to you about some of the purpose in the pain, mm. how he might be transforming it. Uh, Victor Frankl, in his great work, Man's Search for Meaning, talks about what makes a person resilient. And his work primarily stems from, you know, counseling and working with and his own experience surviving the Holocaust. So he's talking to people and working with people who've been through some of the worst of humanity. Mm -hmm. 
what makes a person resilient after something like that? That's where a lot of his work comes from. And truly it is finding meaning in what we've been through. How has this changed me in a way that I can make the world a better place now? What have I learned from this that I can um, break the cycles around me? How can I start something new that would benefit the kingdom of God, that would change the world, that would change this for children forevermore, that kind of thing, um, to, to allow Jesus to enter into it and dialogue with him um, and find how he can transform it. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful journey to go on. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? It might bleed into another one. Mm. Otherwise I'll just move on. I like how you framed this, the process of discovering meaning and purpose in your pain as a conversation with Jesus. I think we don't, the last thing I'd want us to do, right. Is these are tips. These are invitations to become curious about your pain, about your trauma, to begin saying yes to God's ever-present invitation towards healing, towards freedom, towards redemption. Um, And so it's not, like we said, it's not a checklist for those achievers out there. It's not something like we're putting it more on you. You've, you know, you've suffered enough. We, We understand that. But when you're ready, you will find that Jesus is a powerful conversation partner. And it isn't up to you that that purpose and that meaning, um, it's not it's not up to you entirely on your own to generate that meaning. That's part of what God and what Jesus will begin to speak into your hearts, into your minds, and it starts in. I, I love he moves quietly, he moves slowly, right? It oftentimes it begins with just a perspective shift where you begin to see other people's pain. And you begin to, rather than feeling numb or being triggered into anger, you know, or bitterness, you begin to feel that, that the warmth of compassion, of mm-hmm. empathy, right? And mm-hmm. that's a step forward that, that Christ is offering to you. And the more that you do that, right, uh, the more that we give, we say yes to him and just bring ourselves. This isn't about religious performance or spiritual discipline. It's just simply bringing our hearts and our, our wounded selves into the presence of Jesus, sitting quietly and beginning to hear from him. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, I mean, I was cynical of that for a long time, personally, <laughs> you know, I, I'd hear people talk about that and I, I think I judge them. I'd be like, all right, dude, that sounds good. I mean, I've been a Christian for so long, but I like, I don't hear from God. <laughs> like, I mean, he's not talking to me, you know? And Part of what I've learned and hearing you describe is well, I hadn't begun some of the, I was still resisting, I was holding on to my own pain. Mm-hmm. And I also was, I was holding on to the responsibility to generate purpose from it yeah. on my own. And yeah. man, <laughs> at least for me, just speaking for myself, that didn't go well. But when I began to turn it from a monologue into a dialogue, into a conversation and give God space to speak, man, it started to change things. Yeah. Cause you could use it. Trying to generate purpose from it could be a, another form of coping. I will make something good of this. Yeah. 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 Totally. Which I, I love that you're pointing this out. It's, it's a conversation 
It usually happens over time and it starts with a, a heart posture mm-hmm. that you might realize somewhere along the lines, your heart started to soften, compassion started to grow in you. And um, you now see others a little differently. You're able to see others in pain a little differently than maybe the person next to you who was never had never gone through something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you now have an eye for it and you're able to come alongside a person who really needs it and uh, allow yourself to acknowledge those moments. If you've had any of those moments, acknowledge how God has been using you and what you've been through. Um, Start to trace back and you might see that he's been showing you little glimmers of how he's transforming what you've been through into something purposeful all this while without you even realizing it. Mm Mm-hmm. So another way that you can um, be on the pathway to healing is to engage. Don't hide from the work. Don't hide from what you've been through. Be courageous. Be willing to step forward and say, you know what? I'm not going to live a day longer in silence of letting the enemy just run amok in my mind and in my life and my relationships. I'm going to begin. Mm Mm-hmm. So choose to engage with it, whether that starts with a simple prayer today or whether that looks like getting a mentor, making that text message to that friend that says, can we go get coffee? I want to invite you into a journey I want to start on. Mm. Um, maybe set, maybe that's signing up for a skills class. Maybe it's coming and just showing up to church and listening with a new ear, um, but engage, choose to engage. Um, and then another way, um, to be in process on all of this is to become a healing agent yourself. Mm-hmm. And that means you start standing up and looking out for one another, be brave, stop the cycle of abuse, starting with yourself by getting help, working on it in yourself so that we don't inadvertently absurd and subconsciously pass on the pain mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you were talking about Joseph. Um, but so it stops with us and, and prevent it from continuing and when we see it happening around us in other ways um, and care for one another, have compassion with one another, interrupt the cycles that you see around us, um, cheer for each other. When you see somebody stepping out in vulnerability and courage, cheer for them. Don't be somebody that shames them or tells them, here's a Kleenex. I don't want to see any tears. It makes me uncomfortable to see you cry. Instead, Mm -hmm. cheer for them. And just remember, you don't have to go this alone. Mm-hmm. You get to come alongside others as they are in process and in the journey, and they get to come alongside you and you get to let others come alongside mm-hmm. you. Yeah, Jen, that's in the skills. That's so good. It's <laughs> so good. Become a healing agent. Um, man, what the ultimate insult to the enemy. Right? <laughs> um, hey, that thing that you... It's like in the story of Joseph, mm-hmm. right? When he's, I mean, talk about a big T trauma, right? Yes. His brothers, his brothers, envious of him, jump him, throw him into the bottom of a well, you mm-hmm. know, beat him up, sell him into slavery. He ends yes. up in prison, right? I mean, this is a guy who's got a laundry list of capital T's, right? Yes. But what is he able to to do when he says he does not lose faith and he um, decides to continue to follow God well, this incredible journey happens and mm-hmm. there's that powerful moment where 
his brothers end up in front of him in need, right? Yeah. And they're trembling because they, they're the traumatizers. They're the abusers. They're the ones who have violated love, trust, family bonds. And what is he able to say in that moment, filled with God's wisdom, God's love, Mm-hmm. What you, in a total position yes, of power because God power. has used all of these big T traumas that yes. has turned all of them to actually use each one of them to get Joseph into position where he could save not just his family, but his people Yes, and so many others. Yeah. Yep. And here they are in this climactic moment with mm-hmm. the abusers kneeling before the, the one that they abused and left for dead. Yeah. And instead, in that moment, he says, what, Jen? (laughs) What the enemy has meant for harm, God has turned to good. Mm. I paraphrased that. If you want to look it up, it's in Genesis. What is it? 50? I think so. Yeah. Um, Because that's that's who our God is. Mm -hmm. Um, What you meant for harm, God has redeemed. God has turned to good. God has changed the story from one of a tragedy to an epic tale that is just legendary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's who our God is. Yeah. And you know, I think be become the invitation to become a healing agent. I think is a fitting place for us to kind of wind up this conversation. It's it's something that we emphasize in the skills classes. You know that hey, a part of the healing journey and a part of just frankly um, holistic discipleship is that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, God cares. We care. We are invested in your healing, uh, in your flourishing, in seeing your pain redeemed. Um, and that is, you are one of the biggest beneficiaries of receiving God's healing, but there is somebody in your life who, mm-hmm. there's somebody in your sphere of influence, there's somebody in your family who you saying yes to becoming a healing agent, saying yes to being courageous and vulnerable is going to make a world of difference. It's going to be the catalyst to breaking generational shame, generational Mm -hmm. sin, generational trauma, and being part of the movement to create a a new, more beautiful world that's inviting the kingdom of heaven in, right? And I mean, there's nothing, I mean, I say this from personal experience, man, like the reason why I we're making this podcast. The reason why, uh, you know, I'm a facilitator in the skills ecosystem is because, well, man, I, when I joined and discovered, Hey, I'm not alone in my brokenness, Mm -hmm. in my shame, in my addictions, in my, you know, my past traumas. Um, there are other people who, uh, have walked the path before me. And when you can finally get to the point where you can start helping other people, becoming an advocate for them, it is such an incredibly rewarding experience and not just rewarding, but it deepens that healing Mm -hmm. that's already begun. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be afraid, Mm -hmm. engage. God has more for you. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, would you end us with, uh, with just a pastoral prayer or blessing? Sure. (coughs) I'm just going to let it out. All right. Well, wherever you are, take a deep breath. God, you are so good. That is what is real and that is what is true. Help us to receive it. Help us to know that and to believe it 
not just with our heads, but with our whole hearts and our whole being, that you are for us and not against us, that the enemy does not have the last say on what has happened in our lives, what we see around us. You do, Lord God Almighty. And your story is an epic one that sets us free, that changes things and sets things right and brings wholeness and healing. And you say that one day there will be no more tears. Every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more sorrow and no more suffering. The darkness will be broken and light will shine and we will bask in the glow and the radiance of who you are. God, we long for that. And I, I pray for that for every person listening who's been through something incredibly hard and is longing for healing. God, would you meet them right now in this moment? Would you whisper over them who they really are? The way you see them, despite what they may have been told, despite what they may tell themselves. Would you remind them and tell them that they are yours? They are your beloved. You have said that they are worth dying for. They are worth living for. You have deemed it so. My child, you are mine and I love you. You are worthy of love. I have made you and I've created you and I've filled you with purpose and I've called you and I've chosen you and I've set you apart. So God, would you minister to each one of us? Give us glimmers of a new future. Fill us with a new hope. Would you make us brave and courageous? Help us to heal. Help us to heal others. To be your hands and your feet and your heart. To ourselves and to others. This broken world needs you, Lord God. You are the great healer and redeemer. And we love you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or need help or for more information about how to take the next step in your healing journey, please feel free to email us at ftlpod at northcoastcalvary.org or head over to the relationshipresource.org to learn about what classes and resources are available to support you. A big thanks to North Coast Calvary Chapel and the Relationship Resource for making this podcast possible. Our podcast was directed and produced by Joseph Carlson and edited by Nate King. Original music by the one and only Brian McMaster.